Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. We're rolling. Welcome from Pastor Ben's new office. I know, and that's great. We're wow. actually back in here, and I've already messed up this office, but... I love what you've done with the place. Oh, thank you. <laughs> These bare white walls, so austere, <laughs> so minimalist. <laughs> well, we're glad to be here, glad to be settled somewhat, so... Yeah, that's good. The church is changing. we got a lot of neat things that are going to be happening you know, with Michael Babbler on board and doing a focus on digital ministry with this digital studio that's finishing up, and I hope this podcast is just another piece in uh, helping connect Sunday to every every other part of people's days and hopefully this is going to serve a lot of people so mm-hmm. yeah that's good well we um got an email from one of our listeners I guess and uh we'll call him Jim because <laughs> that's his name because that's his name but we won't say his last name um Jim if you're listening go to sleep you know who you are um, but the the article is from the uh, October 2022 Philadelphia Trumpet, and it is concerning attention spans. Mm-hmm. And uh, the article asserts that people's social media and things like that, um, screen time, that people consume much more content via uh, social media and using screens than they do in traditional reading from print or books or magazines. And um, alarming, you know, they, one of the, the statistics here is uh, in 2017, the average American spent 324 minutes per day on his or her phone, which is equal to five and a half hours <laughs> per day and only 17 minutes reading something in print. Now, I do want to make the distinction that, for instance, I listen to Spotify, so mm-hmm. I, my screen time is high mm-hmm. because I'm, it's on my phone. And so mm-hmm. it's not that I'm scrolling for 324 mm-hmm. minutes per day. Sure. And, and and this article does not say they're, they're 324 minutes per day, you know, scrolling Facebook and Twitter. Um, so I think part of that could be, you know, having a Pandora app open or a music yeah. app or something of that nature. So, but it's still quite a lot. And I've been, the book that's quoted in here is Stolen Focus by, uh, oh, what's the author's name? Yeah, John, Hari. Yuan Hari. Yeah, Joan Hari. And he he's written a couple different books that they're they're pretty good uh, a lot on mental health, and uh, I think he's a journalist from England, um, and I was really the last couple of years really trying to focus on how do I separate myself from my phone, how do I stay focused. I feel like it's just still taken. I feel like I was much better like a year ago. And I feel like now I get the I get fidgety if I'm not if I'm waiting in line at the grocery store or wherever I reach for my phone that I I didn't do that last year so it's it's kind of overtaking me too. You've taken breaks though you yeah. I you you're not on Facebook anymore, right? Yeah, I got like kicked off because I got logged out. I couldn't find my I, I was Facebook jail. My old, yeah, so you I was, were in Facebook jail. Oh, it was great. But yeah, I can't even start a new account. Posting now. extremist content. That's, that's how you get <laughs> And they were off, like, ben. no. But you you'll also take weekends, right? Where yeah. you're like away or days where you're yeah, like, I feel I'm great. Not touching my phone. Right. I, I haven't done that as much. And I feel like 
it's it's getting harder and harder. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? It's pretty telling that we got this email two weeks ago and all of us just skimmed it. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have the attention span to do the to long finish, reading. To finish the but read. you guys can't even see. It. It's like two whole pages. It's really not printed. that bad, quite honestly. I mean, that's a lot of words. It's um, no, I I uh, I I just finished watching the show The Office. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple of seasons are just not good. No, Agreed. if anyone's wondering, the mm-hmm. finale was just yeah awful. But um, I can't even watch. You know, like in in the old days, it was like you guys spend all your all your time watching TV, right? You should be out doing something. I can't even watch TV. Like I'll watch a show and I will instinctively start playing a chess game on another window mm. and I'll be listening to the show at the same time. Yes, yes. It's like, what am I doing? These are both like, yeah. these both require my mental energy, but yeah. I can't even stay focused but on you're like... you're multitasking. No, you're just doing things no. half, you're giving half of your attention. It's, it's insane. Or like a solitaire, like solitaire mm-hmm. windows or minesweeper. Well, you know this. I do. When I edit these, when I edit these podcasts, I usually just have Minesweeper open another window because I'm just like listening, and I get really antsy if I just have to sit and listen. And so I can I sh- hear Matt's clicking on the uh, mouse, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. "You're playing Minesweeper, aren't you?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm very fast. So we all know it's happening, right? We all know this is. I, I, I don't, you know, we our attention spans are getting shorter. We're not able to think deeply or for long periods of time or. Um, devote ourselves to reading. I think it's hard for, for many people to read. I heard a, I read an article years ago. This was before um, a lot of the newer technologies and phone. Um, Philip Yancey, the, the great Christian writer who's written kind of longer books on journalistic fo- form of writing, he was like admitting how hard it is for him to read because he's so used to reading articles that have clickbait on them and it kind of mm. and just to sit and calm your brain long enough. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think it's, it is happening. The question is, what do you do about it? Is this worth fighting against? Can we fight against it? Does it matter? What well, do you I think, think we need to acknowledge that it is a thing. One of the other things this article states is that um, uh, how basically we are we're becoming more divorced from the truth as mm-hmm. as it's worded. and And the reason that they say that is because, um, you know, things like, Twitter, Twitter's implied message is that you shouldn't focus on anything for long. You can understand the world through simple 280 character statements. Um, and also like Facebook implies that your life exists to be displayed to other people mm-hmm. and that your your connections and your friendships are based on like liking each other's mm-hmm. stuff and commenting mm-hmm. and interacting. And like that's how your friend, like how you determine who your friends are. Mm-hmm. So um, because of those examples, that's how they're suggesting that that we're divorced from the truth and like mm-hmm. that's not. So, I mean, I, I think we should acknowledge it. What do you do besides acknowledge though? Is that it? I don't know. Well, I think we all like to think that we're immune mm. to like, you know, when people say, oh, you're exposed to like 400 ads per day or something. And we all like to think like, yeah, but that's not actually doing anything because I'm smarter than that. I'm smarter than the ads. I know mm-hmm. that they're not real. Um, but is that true? You know, the same thing with this, like Twitter, like, oh, yeah, like I, you know, I, I could go back to reading a book. I, I could quit anytime I want. Right. Mm-hmm. I could quit using Twitter anytime I want. I could read a book if I wanted to. Oh, yeah. Could you? Mm-hmm. Can we really convey the proper message in 280 characters? I mean, doesn't that leave a lot open for interpretation to? <sighs> right. No, yeah. Right. It's just it's just very like 
punchy, punchy sound bites. You know, I think it's highlighted, especially in this political election time. You know, you can throw out statements and you don't have time to explain them or Mm -hmm. think about them. And so, uh, yeah, the lies and emotion can drive the narrative because there is no explanation deep there's no thinking. yeah no deep thinking no questions that are being asked and no re- no explanation for why you do certain things so yeah it's detrimental so this article suggests purge the social media habit read a high quality book use this as a tool to reclaim your own command of your own mental focus you're going to need it so that's this article's suggestion on how to combat as a pastor i think the the thing that scares me is our whole faith is bound up in a book mm. and uh, how many people are reading it, how many people can, can, can have the attention span to, to stay with it. <laughs> Shaking my head. <laughs> to stay with it. Um, the, the languages behind the book, you know, mm-hmm. learning Hebrew and Greek and not that I'm great at it, but I found myself, you know, not diving back into the original languages as much as I used to. And I'm trying to get back into that. But, you know, our faith, is found in a historical context in a time of history over different genres. It's a long story uh, that has lots of interweaving parts uh, that make up a very complex faith. I mean, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, but it's also complex ideas about covenants and creation and sin and and a renewed world and all these very complicated ideas, and I'm concerned that if how, we, how do we pass on the faith to the next generation if we don't have the attention span to, to hear it? Yeah, that Jesus loves me is the Twitter the Twitter edition. Right, right exactly. Yeah. And there's so much more to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Does he does he love me when I really screwed things up? Um, does he does he love me in spite of it or because of it or or um, you know do I have to earn his love? Um, and then where did I come from? What's my purpose? Uh, all these things that are that are very complex. Uh, that if we don't have the capacity to listen long enough to read it, and then outside of it, all the the literature that's outside of Scripture, the classics and the classic Christian literature, are we are we able to even read that and think about that? Because because our, our faith is bound up uh, through a book and it's communicated through a book. So, I do appreciate so many people who are teaching in different ways, like the Bible Project through video form and taking these complex ideas and bringing them down into seven minute videos. Uh, that I thought think are really well done, but I just I, I do get concerned. Yeah, hmm. to be honest, I mean, well, other thing too is the the Bible is written to an oral culture, so they were in in many times uh, they would listen to the scriptures over long periods of time, uh, not necessarily read it, uh, but still that takes an attention span to listen to a long form reading. So yeah. So that's my concern. So read a book. Yeah, boom. That sounds hard. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I've said, I've told people too, like I think some people, and maybe I've said this on the podcast before too, I think some people really get experience and knowledge about the world from books. Mm -hmm. And some people, and I feel this about myself, really get knowledge about the world from other people and talking with other people. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Mm -hmm. people who are really into books... Mm -hmm. Are maybe not as much as not as social, or not mm-hmm. as uh, you know. They don't communicate with a variety of people. Sure, and and I do, and so I feel like I learn a lot about just the world and experiences and whatnot through through talking with 
a variety of people. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's why you need both uh, the Christian community and outside of the Christian community to hear what's going on in the world. But what I love about books is if somebody wrote a book, they probably, it's a whole life of thinking about something. They probably spent a year or two, maybe three years writing this book. And so you, and then all the research and all the things, all their life experience gets condensed into this book. And so if you can read it, you are learning years of experience sitting down reading a book that could take you a week to read. And so I found, you know, one way to really, yeah, get ahead on truth and get ahead on uh, experience and wisdom is through reading. And so I think that's just, it's really, really important. Um, so I do think that he's right that we, we can lose the truth and we uh, can just be driven by emotions if we don't have the attention span to hear a longer argument. And I mean, even if you are talking with other people, you still need the attention span to have a longer oh, conversation. Yes. And that I seem to not really have too much of a problem with, but I do struggle reading. I don't, it's not my favorite thing to do. Never yeah. has been though. So oh, yeah, that's, I think that's okay. Yeah. What's next? Are we All good right. on that one? I think we're good. Thanks um, for the uh, suggestion. Yeah. The, the thing I want to talk about was, you know, we're finishing up the sermon series called Origins. And the last story in the opening kind of prehistoric section of Genesis is the Tower of Babel. And after the Tower of Babel, it kind of gets into the, the account of Abraham and it gets uh, very much focused on the nation of Israel. But in these first 11 chapters of Genesis... It's really uh, God and the world and almost really archaic, ancient, simplistic stories. Um, and the last thing, yeah, the last one is Tower of Babel. And it, it seems like the whole theme of the Tower of Babel is on pride and how dangerous pride is. And C.S. Lewis in his, his great, talking about books, uh, his great <laughs> book, uh, Mere Christianity, has this chapter. I thought I'd just read a couple lines from it. And see if you agree, see if you disagree. And, and then I thought we could talk a little bit about the Tower of Babel and you guys could help me write my sermon. Because <laughs> I'm on a deadline. Sundays are coming and I got to put this thing together. Um, he says, "There, this chapter is called The Great Sin from Mere Christianity. There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when they see it in someone else and of which hardly any people, except Christians, and I don't know if he's right on that one, ever imagine that they are guilty of themselves. I've heard people admit that they are bad-tempered, or they cannot keep their heads about girls or drink, or even that they are cowards. I do not think I've ever heard anyone who is not a Christian accuse himself of this vice. And at the same time, I very seldom met anyone who's not a Christian who showed the slightest mercy to it in others. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault of which we are more unconscious in ourselves. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I'm talking about is pride or self-conceit. And the virtue um, opposite to it in Christian morals is called humility. You may remember when I was talking about sexual morality, I warn you that the center of Christian morals does not lie there. Well, now we have come to the center. According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and, and all that are mere 
flea bites in comparison. It is through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. And he's got one more little quote. I'll just read this real quick. In God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know that God, or unless you know God as that, and therefore you know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people, and of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. So he just has a way with words. Um, and he says it's the sin behind every other sin. It's the worst of all the sins. It's the center of, Christ, uh, the center of evil. And the opposite is the center of Christian morality, of humility. Um, what do you think? Do you think he's right on that, that, that pride is the sin behind every other sin? It's the worst of all sins. Does it, uh, it's the, he says it's the one sin that we, we hate when we see it in other people. We hate you know people are arrogant, but we can't see it in ourselves, and we almost never want to admit to it ourselves that, that we're prideful. I don't know. What do you guys think? I feel like that's the basis of kind of Christianity and recognizing our need Mm-hmm. for a savior so mm-hmm. if you're prideful to that level then you couldn't possibly yeah. even recognize that you are in that state or how many times people don't think there's anything wrong with them mm-hmm. so they they don't like christianity because they're being told that they're sinful or whatever mm-hmm. so i i guess that makes sense when you when we first started talking about this topic i was thinking pride like i think it's good to be proud of like a job yeah. that you've done well mm-hmm. or like you know if the music's really good one week i'm excited or when your kid does something well, you're proud of them. Mm-hmm. But I think you can be, um, that's not like this deep, deeply rooted pride. Yeah. Are, are those different? Yeah, I was I thinking think like, are. cause you have like school pride or sure. you have pride in a job well done. Right. That, that's not, that's what, not deep seated, like deeply rooted like this. I don't think. Cause, cause you are, t- I mean, you are taking credit for your accomplishment, but so- it's not. So he says this at the end of his chapter. It's similar to what you're saying. We say in English that a man is proud of his son or his father or his school or a regiment. And it may be asked whether pride in this sense is a sin. I think it depends on what exactly we mean by proud of. Very often in such sentences, the phrase is proud of means has a warm-hearted admiration for. Such an admiration is, of course, very far from being sin, but it might perhaps mean that the person in question gives himself airs on the ground he is distinguished father or because he belongs to a famous regiment. This would clearly be a fault. But even then, it would be better being proud simply of himself. To love and admire anything outside yourself is to take one step away from the utter spiritual ruin. So I think what he's saying here, and he talks about earlier that Pride, sinful pride is competitive. You know, it's not enough to be thankful or proud of a job well done. It's got to be better than somebody else. And I'm better mm-hmm. than you. And he talks about how that can really be destructive. Um, and yeah, proud of being faithful to the gift you've been given. That's different than I did this my way all on my own my own capacity and I, that's why i'm better than everybody else i think that's that's a difference what do mm-hmm. you think mm-hmm. 
I think sinful pride puts itself in the place of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what where it started. Um, and yeah, I, I think like, because we use the the word pride a lot, and I think maybe, I think we mean different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like, you know, a little pride is okay, a medium amount of pride is maybe okay, but a lot of pride is sinful. I, I think we're talking about kind of two separate ideas. I think so too. Yeah, Admiration, I think, is what the word he used. You know, you're, you admire something. You're you're thankful for something. You're you're happy about something. Uh, arrogance, maybe, is conceit. You know, and so that kind of leads to this ancient story of the Tower of Babel. Um, they all gather together. It says it's really beautifully written. It's there's a lot of really neat parallelism. They say. Come, let us bake bricks, make bake them thoroughly. Um, so they use bricks instead of stone. So like the, the best technology, you know, like if you're going to build with stone, it's not going to be smooth. It's not hard to use. But if you use bricks, man, you can build a pyramid or a ziggurat or a temple out of that. And it's going to stand for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. So let's build, build this tower. And then it says, so that we can make a name for ourselves. Mm, mm-hmm. And we will not be scattered throughout the earth. And God just gave them a command in the t- uh, right from the beginning and then also repeated after the flood, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And they're saying, we don't want to fill the earth. We want to want to make a name for ourselves. We don't want to scatter. We want to be uh, here. And it almost me- is like they're setting up a monument to themselves. Um, I-, I think I can say it on the podcast. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say it from the sermon, but... Uh, I don't, you know, lots of people have lots of different views on our former president, President Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's things that he's done that, man, I'm really thankful for it, like the, who he appointed as justices. I do find it strange that his name is on everything. Like we went to Ireland and his golf course, his name was on everything. And I just don't know if that's healthy that to put your name on absolutely everything um, and that, I think that's what rubs people wrong about him is that, that, I don't know how else you say, but arrogance, you know, that, and when we see that in other people needing to make a name for themselves, having, they have to put their name out there. They have to have their name front and center. Why, why do you, I don't know. Why do we, why do we get s- sick of that? Why don't we like to see somebody's put, making a name for themselves? This is a topic that's somewhat close to home. Mm-hmm. Um, a very, very, very good friend of mine and I butt heads on this matter. Um, he's always pushing me personally to uh, push my music mm-hmm. and my and my name and this, this, this. And he'll always make comments about like how he's building a name for himself. Mm-hmm. And it is this attitude. And I, I'm always pushing back like, no, this is, you know, like I don't need to do all that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I, I completely understand what you're saying. Um I think when when you don't recognize that there's something more than you, yes, you have to be it. And so like you have to in this world in this life like this is your shot and like mm-hmm. you got to shoot your shot and you got to mm-hmm. build your name and put your name on things and mm-hmm. I think if you if you really think this is it, I mean, right? Is that right. Exactly. I think that's I, I think you're getting into it. That's what that's why we do it. And and, and I think the reason we get so he talks about we loathe it when we see it in other people. Like if they're always t- 
putting their name on everything and want to make a name for themselves is because we know they're instinctively, even if you're not a believer, we all know there is somebody greater than us and you're not being genuine because you're not the greatest thing. And sometimes it'll, it'll happen for, for a person genuinely and with by almost by accident, like you're just doing what you do. And then like, Oh, look at that. You know, suddenly. Um, but for other people, like that's, that's what they're working toward. Like that's their goal. Right. As opposed to just like kind of doing stuff and having it kind of happen right you know or well it's it's crazy how often in the new testament uh the disciples are arguing over who's the greatest it comes up a bunch of times and jesus like what are you arguing about and they all they all look at each other oh he knows they don't want to say yeah they don't want to (laughs) say even even the night he was betrayed even even in the upper room they're they're arguing about who's who's the greatest and jesus has to keep on saying you know the the rulers of the world they they lord it over people, but not so with you. Whoever wants to be greatest among you must be a servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the last, because the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I think the way out of this, and what I'm going to... Instead of building up our own tower, um, like the Tower of Babel, to make our name for ourselves, that this is going to be a monument in my name... Which could crumble at any moment, by the way. Exactly, and that's what happens in the story. Right. The thing they were so afraid of happens, it crumbles. They, they um, Recognize, the Bible says over and over again, we are part of the temple of God. Like we're a brick in God's temple, and that's going to last forever. And to see ourselves as a, as, a, as a small role in God's bigger story, he's the main character. Uh, the monument that's being built is the kingdom of God, and we get to be a part of that. And so we're here to serve not as being the cornerstone, not as being the focal point. And I think the people who do make it famous or whatever, uh, the, I think the greatest ones are just using their gifts to serve other people. Mm-hmm. They have this gift mm-hmm. and they want to serve as many people as possible and they're okay not taking the credit for it because mm-hmm. they realize it was given to them mm-hmm. um, and, and they, they, they're so focused on helping other people. So, And again, you know, I feel like with my friend or I mean other people I know who are like this, like it literally could be ripped from you. Like you could get into a car accident and become paralyzed yeah. and you yeah. cannot do what you do. You know what I mean? Like there's just, it just could be taken from you at any moment. And if it is all about you, what parts of your life do you have to really, uh, water or airbrush over that, that you can't be honest about be- because, you know, it's all about me. I'm, I'm the greatest. Oh, don't look at this part of my life. I think that's one of the, I don't, man, I, I really feel for politicians because mm-hmm. they have to put themselves out. I'm going to solve all these problems. I'm going to solve the, the, the problems of the world. Um, so don't look at my record or things like that be, because all of us have bad stuff on our record, right? And, and so to, to act like you're the hero and you're going to solve the world's problems, um, I also listened to, uh, saw something on ESPN. I don't know if you heard about the controversy with Brett Favre. That, oh. he, that he took, took, I don't know, all the ins and outs, but some, uh, there's, it's financial controversy and taking money that was uh, used welfare money or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking that up and one of the, there was a broadcasters on ESPN and they actually brought up the Bible in this broadcast. And he said, you know, this is one of the reasons why you shouldn't get too close to your heroes. Because mm. none of us are that great. 
and and, and he quoted the Bible saying everything that's going to be disclo- everything that's disclosed is going to be found out. Everything that's hidden is going to be revealed. And so um, I think that's just another reason why we shouldn't make our life about us because we're not that great. And there's going to be stuff about us that's embarrassing and it's got to be about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you just, so, I don't know. What, what do you, do you think, think Matt? Matt? You're all quiet over there. <laughs> um, He's thinking I, deep. I think one thing that, that struck me about the story um, is that uh, all, all the people who are building the tower want to make a name for themselves. Um, but there's, there's no, there's not like other towns they're not trying to be greater than the next town over because they're all in one town. They, they didn't disperse and make Who is this versus, <laughs> right? Right. Well, so it's versus God. Right, right. Yeah. Like, you know, it's that, uh, I, you know, I think coming, coming back to pride again as, as making yourself, it's not about team spirit, like, oh, we're better than the rest of people. No, we're, we're just better than God. There are no other people. They all lived in the same place. Yeah. And they said... Let's show God what we're made of, right? As if He didn't create all the stuff that they were using, right? You know? And one one interesting idea too is the Tower of Babel. It's also the same word for Babylon. And later on, many people think that this is kind of riffing off of a future story where Nebuchadnezzar does make a golden statue of himself, and everybody's got to bow down to it. And whoever doesn't bow down to the golden statue of himself, you know, then uh, is in big trouble. So I. Th- gets thrown in the fiery furnace so and 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 so so much of the book of daniel so much of the whole story of babylon is about kings and rulers setting themselves up as the as god and they were world powers for hundreds of years but they're gone where's babylon today like you said it can be gone tomorrow Uh, i think that's another thing that ecclesiastes brings out what and i i I don't think it's going to make the sermon but i was thinking how many of us know our great grandparents? My 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 grandparents were incredible people, uh, that that really, in the best sense, could leave a legacy of of tradition and wonderful values and all these things. My kids don't know who my grandparents are, and so all these things are, has uh, as great as you might be, you're going to be forgotten in two generations, and as much as you want to be remembered, some of the things they're going to remember about you aren't that great anyways. So. It just, it's not, it's, it's, so it's not only sinful to be prideful and make a name for yourself, but it's foolish. It's just not a good idea. Um, and if, if you're blessed in the music career, what they'll find you out, you know, and there was a book written by Cal Newport, uh, so great or so good. They can't ignore you. Just do a really good job, mm-hmm. do a really good job, serve a lot of people and, and they'll find you, you know? Yeah. It's probably akin to cult leaders too, you know, kind of that same, right? Like yeah. prideful, yeah. um, controlling of people, making a name for yourself. Yeah. I don't know why that popped in my head, but yeah, I think, think about it. Yep. Yeah. They, they, they demand a following. They demand control. Mm-hmm. They think, uh, they're the answer to the world's problems. And again, I, I, I just am so fascinated by the opening, the first 10 pages of the Bible kind of, it's all in there. These opening origin stories, uh, Adam and Eve standing before the tree of knowledge of good and evil, trying to take the place of God, Cain and Abel, and fighting this inner lion inside of you, um, 
the, the corruption of the world and the need for a cleansing and God's judgment in the flood and then now the Tower of Babel and setting yourself up uh, in pride. I mean, it's all in there. All the issues I think that we're dealing with today are found in these origin stories. So hmm. I, I, it's been a helpful study, I think. Yeah, it's been good. All right. That's all I have. Matt, you had some things you want to talk about. Uh, yes, I wanted to talk about um, does does God know everything? Because we always say that God's all powerful mm-hmm. and he's everywhere. He can do anything and he mm-hmm. knows everything. Um, but that kind of leaves the question, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like God says, be fruitful and increase in number, fill up the earth, and they don't. Mm-hmm. It's like, is he surprised? Did he not see that coming? <laughs> you know, or or or... You know, he he created all people in the first yeah. place. Yeah. He said, oh, you know, don't eat from the tree. Yeah. Did he not know that, yeah. you know, on the next, in the next chapter of history, that the very first thing they would do would be eat from the tree? <laughs> yeah. You know? And so, I don't know, I, I think that's a, that's a tough one. I've also heard it said, um, like, God cannot know everything and be all powerful. Like, mm. how could you have both? Like, if you know it's going to happen, then you can't prevent it yeah or you know it's Mm. kind of like the if if can he build Mm. a weight so big he can't lift it sort of thing um Mm. but i think that's i don't know i think that's challenging for people sometimes it's challenging for me yeah you know again c.s lewis and me at christianity he treats that in a couple chapters and um he goes into great detail about love that's real love that's not coercion gives freedom so if if god there's not a lot of freedom in a cow like cows are just going to sit there and they're going to moo and they're not going to do much but the higher beings humans they have a greater capacity to do good if you give them that freedom and that ability they also have a greater capacity to do evil. A cow is not going to do much or good or bad. It's just a cow, right? <laughs> and and so he, he talks a lot about love not being coercion. You know, you could lock your kids in their room and never let them out because you're afraid they're going to either screw up their life or rebel against you or, um, or, or do some things that aren't good and they're going to hurt themselves. But would that be love to lock them up in their room? No, you you gotta let it go. You gotta let them let them let them live. And then if they want to be your kids and be in your family, uh, they can. They have that choice. They can always leave. They can always come home. And I don't know why God steps in sometimes. Uh, you know, I think that's the harder question. You know, sometimes He seems to step in, and sometimes He seems to give us freedom. Um, and that's the mystery. I think I, I'm not so you know. We're, we're recording this, and and there's a there was a re- yesterday a pastor died in a Good, car I'm glad accident. Glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. so I I really sad. I'm heartbroken and I'm praying for his family. Um, but you know that's another when when these things happen, you just you don't know why. But God has given us incredible freedom, and we don't know why. Sometimes He seems to answer our prayers almost immediately, and why He lets something just totally unravel. Uh, yeah, that I think that's the the question. Whether he knows or not, I mean, a father can look at their child, especially a, a toddler, and, and know where this is all headed. You're you're they're gonna 
this is not going to end up good or, or they can know what's going on way more than the kid sees. Um, and still yet they don't always come in and rescue their kids. They let them fall and they let them do some harder things. Um, so I don't know if it's a, based on knowledge. It's more um, where does God start and where do we end? Where does our freedom come in and where does he come in and step in and stop? And I think that's the hard thing we don't always know. We, we never, almost never know. That makes sense to me. Does that make sense to you, Matt? Yeah, I think so. I think that's, that's, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's tough to, that's like a tough pill to swallow for for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I heard it once in a sermon. I've always, always stuck with me. I heard this, you know, 15 years ago in a, or, or more maybe 20, uh, if God would stop all evil people, who would be left? I mean, if, if every time you were about to do something stupid, he would step in. I mean, it would be like me trying to look things up on my slow uh, Wi-Fi at home. Like, it just stops. Like, my whole life would be stopping and stopping and stopping because God would have to interview all the time and he's allowed us uh, the freedom to do, to make a lot of stupid mistakes and to learn from them and to grow and to, to you know. So I, I think the the flood's a great story to think about that because he did try. He did stop. Like, all right, this is getting out of hand. I'm gonna start all over. How did that work out? You know, it it, it got corrupt all over again. And so God has decided to ultimately end all evil and bad in Jesus Christ and to renew the world on the last day. He's, he's allowed the world to spin out um, in many different ways. What, what's fascinating to me, for most of us in, in the developed world, in the United States, the Western world, we live in such radical comfort. And so anytime there's discomfort or pain or anything, like it is, we can't handle it. Like we just, we lose our brains. I do. I, I'm just so used to like, it's 72 in this house. I, I like it <laughs> 71, you know, like I need to change the thermostat. But when I've talked to people who've been in, in, uh, in third world countries or under heavy persecution, like they see God's providence everywhere. They, they believe God is behind all of this and, and, you know, they get sent to jail, but somehow the guard gives them a slice of food. You know, they, uh, you read Corey Ten Boom's uh, memoir about called The Hiding Place. She was the Dutch woman who um, hid Jews in her house, and then she went into concentration camps. Like She's always talking about how God was with her and God was there. You're in the concentration camp. How is God with you? But it just seems like people who've suffered uh, sometimes and, have, and are used to suffering, they just don't have a rosy view of this world. They know this world has, has fallen, that sin is the norm, and so they're almost surprised with God's providence, and they're surprised when things go right. So that's a different way to look at it. So um, sort of to, to switch gears and, yeah. and kind of go into, you know, like uh, so God loves people and he gives them freedom, mm-hmm. you know, then there's sort of that there's sort of that debate which can get give you a real headache, you know, do, do people have free will? Because if God knows everything, how can people really have free will? 
so I guess you know the question is if if God gives us if God gives us free will does does he does he see the future or it does that is that really up to us to use an illustration from mere Christianity again C.S. Lewis he talks about and I don't know if this is right or not but he says um, God is the author and just like an author can can write down a, a line you know like Bill gets up from his chair and goes to the kitchen. And the author's writing that line and actually stops writing, goes on a vacation, has all the time in the world, comes back and finishes writing that line. And, and the author is outside of the book, able to look at the book all at once, see how the story ends. He's writing the story, sees it. So I thought that was an interesting illustration about being outside of the story and being able to look in on it. Um, I don't think he's surprised by anything. I, I don't know. Yeah, th- th- there's been that kind of philosophy that God created time, so he's outside of time. I don't know if that's the right way to look at it. Um, maybe it is. Um, regardless, I think we can trust him. However however that works with time and how he understands it or how he sees it, I, I think uh, I, I think the the real answer, and, and we, when we look at all the prophecies that he said are going to happen, happened in Jesus Christ, he seems to know what's going to happen. He seems to know uh, where this world is headed, whether he sees it all at once, that's one theory, or um, he just knows it, he's walking along with time with us, time is always there, and he's he, 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 uh, he's experiencing it like we are. I don't know if that's accurate. So those are two different ways to to understand it. Yeah, it it does. It hurts your brain, but um, I don't know if he wants us to figure all that out. It's fascinating, you know. Jesus, as true God, yet he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Still weeps in time. So I don't know if if knowing the future or being in the future or whatever changes the pain that you feel in the present. Yeah, that that's really confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, who's asking the question and why are you asking the question? It seems like a lot of times we ask this question when we're suffering. Uh, why would God allow that to happen? Um yeah, or or to or to kind of undermine the whole belief system. Oh sure. Like, oh, your God doesn't even make sense because how can these pos- these things be possibly true? Right. So, I think to the person who's suffering, recognize that I think the answer is we have a God who suffers. He he did enter into time. He did go through the long process of being a baby, growing up, being whipped and beaten and died and was resurrected. Um, so he didn't just microwave, uh, our salvation. He endured it. So when we're enduring tough times, we have one who knows what that feels like, uh, from experience. So I think that's helpful. Uh, and to those who try to, you know, the, the Bible doesn't say, so I, I don't know why that would undermine our faith because the Bible doesn't really come down on one side or the other, how God yeah, God does know all things. We can't comprehend 
what that even means. So I don't know why that would undermine our faith. I don't know why that doesn't make sense because yeah. we can't understand it. Well, well to be fair, it's, it is very confusing. It is very confusing. <laughs> yeah, it is very confusing. Uh, but I'm glad it's not all up to me. I'm glad there is an all-powerful, all-knowing God who's ultimately control, and it's not all on me. Just think if we... If this world really was a chaotic mess that there is no control and there's no hope for the future and there is no God above, you know, John Lennon had that song, Imagine. Imagine there is no heaven, no hell below us, you know, above us only sky. Imagine all that. And then he says, then we'd all live in peace. Is that really what would happen? You know, if there's no God, there's no answer, then we're going to live in that. God is our problem. I don't think, I don't think he is. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I I have recently heard from from two people who came to Christianity later in life, and um, they said so they didn't really have any use. They had no use for God, and they they were kind of of the opinion that um, you know this is this is confused. Like this doesn't make sense. Like sure. there's there might be an answer. It's not Christianity. Sure. And they both just said that they started praying. Mm. You know, and I think that's the cool thing about it is like. It doesn't totally make sense, but it does work. Yeah, you know, and and just just like go out and talk, just go talk to him. It's just which is interesting. Yeah. So they 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 started praying, and they mm-hmm. that kind of led them to take more steps. Or yeah, these are not people I know. This is okay. This is people I've heard of, or a book I book I was reading and a, a video I was watching about. But they were they they both. They both were compelled to pray about, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the the thing that was happening inside them, the the pain they were feeling or whatever. Even though they did not, they were not really Christian. They didn't know anything about it. But you know, but it's it's just interesting to me that even if your brain can't wrap your head around it, yeah. it, it still works. Because I think we typically judge things to be true based on. If they work, you sure. know, like gravity is sure. true because every time I ever, it just keeps working. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't actually make something true. Right. It just, you know, like th- that's a good enough definition for me because it always works the same way. Right. Um, yeah. And so now, now you take something that it's like, okay, it doesn't, doesn't totally make sense. You don't fully understand it, but it, it does work. Yeah. And so. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, there's stuff on both sides. Like on one hand, I can I get why somebody would be an atheist. Like you can't see God. Are we just making this up? Is this just a whole idea in our own head? Um, prayer doesn't always seem to work. There doesn't seem to always be an answer. Um, some of these things about time and how God is connected to time that doesn't work. So you have all these things that I could see why you're an atheist. And then on the other hand, you have Jesus. And on the other hand, you have how complex our bodies are and our world is and how it all works together. And then you also have the reality of evil. And then you also have this this idea of a law inside of my heart that I know there's some sort of good and bad and right and wrong. Where does that all come from? So there's also a thousand pointers that points to the reality of God. Um, but I get it. I get why somebody would struggle. And I've, I've been there too where it seems like nonsense, but then I keep going back to these things of mm-hmm. the design, the world's evil, Jesus, and what what do you have better than that for some of those big you problems? Let go of the pride, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the issue. That's 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 what keeps us. Yeah, yeah. 
Very good. I think we solved all the world's problems. As usual. <laughs> At least three of them. <laughs> Thank you for letting us... Uh, read walk. a book. Yeah, read a book. Don't be prideful. I what else? I keep on hearing the song from... Um, Read, reading Rainbow. Oh, it's in a, a look, look in a book. In a book. <laughs> yeah, true. All right, adios. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.